Hey everyone, hope all is well. And uh, thank you so much for your grace. Uh, I know this is coming to you a day late, uh, but yesterday was just one of those days and uh, I didn't have it in me to get it all done by the end of the day. Uh, but today's a new day and I'm excited about this opportunity to read with you just a, a really awesome passage uh, that I think has a lot for us. Um, so let me pray and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful uh, for your presence in our lives. We're thankful for your grace towards us, um, how our relationship with you isn't based on performance, um, but it's based on covenant. And we are your children by faith through Christ. Um, and we're just so grateful for that. We can rest in that, rest easy in that. And so I pray, God, that even though we're coming to the scripture uh, a day later than uh, we planned, we know that you still have something for us in it. And uh, we're expectant for how you're going to speak to us during this time. So we believe you will. We pray that you would show us the step of faith that we're supposed to take with this word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came in, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Well, like I said, this is an absolutely incredible passage, isn't it? There's such depth in this passage. Before we get to it, though, let's take a moment to reflect on where we've been the last couple of days. We're on the last of three days looking at miracles of Jesus and what God might be saying to us through them. And as part of that, we've talked uh, a bit about sin and the problems that it causes. Now, let's be reminded that when I say sin, I mean the state of disconnection from God. You've heard me refer to it as big S sin. The Bible shows us over and over again that sin has both infected and affected the world in several ways. And uh, if you listen to yesterday's devotional, um, you can catch up on all the details if you missed it. Two days ago, we saw uh, sin's effects on a man's physical body uh, who had contracted leprosy. It wasn't God's intention for people to suffer under diseases, uh, but disease was one of the results of humanity's fall from grace. Then yesterday we saw how sin affected the widow's only son and ultimately how, how it affects us all in the end that these physical bodies of ours will not last forever. We will die, 
But again, th- this was not part of God's plan for us. We, we've seen two things in Jesus over these past two days. First, we've seen that he's not afraid of sin. In fact, time and time again, he steps into the mess of sin and gets up close to address the effects of sin in people's lives. Second, we've seen Jesus's power over death in the account that we read yesterday of him raising that widow's only son who was on his way to the grave. It is the creative, restoring power of God in Jesus that was present all the way back in the beginning when he brought the the world and all life into being. And it is that same power that nothing can restrain, not even death. In today's reading, we see how Jesus responds to the problem of sin that we did not see in uh, the other miracles. And it's the problem of unforgiven sins. Uh, What would this moment uh, have been like for you if you were one of the many faces in the crowd attempting to catch Jesus' words as he preached? What if you had been there when, right in the middle of his talk, the the friends of the paralytic began to puncture a hole in the roof? Uh, First, there there would have been a a scratching and a pounding and then pieces of mud and thatch dropping to the floor between you and Jesus. Then somehow these guys made a hole big enough to lower a man on a gurney. And Jesus unfazed, looked down at the paralyzed man, I imagine with a twinkle in his eye, then up at his friends with a smile on his face, and then back down to the man. And without even a, hello, what's your name? Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. I think it's difficult for many of us, myself included, to appreciate the significance of Jesus' words and the intensity of the moment that followed. There's just such a big cultural gap between the people in this passage and us here in modern America. First, there are a lot of people in our day who don't believe in the God of the Bible, and even the ones who do don't know all that much about the Bible. Some of us have participated in Sunday school or Bible study led by others, but few of us have read the Bible for ourselves. God's word isn't the defining reality through which people see the world as it was in the time of Jesus, particularly for the Jewish people. Second, we see um, in our day a much more casual attitude towards God than Jews generally, but specifically Jews in the time of Jesus. God was holy. He was revered and respected. He, he was honored for being above and over everything in creation. He was their God, and they were his people. And obedience to his law was an important aspect of being in right relationship with him. Obedience and the consequences of disobedience were central to Jewish culture. When Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven, there would have been gasps and double takes. What did he just say? See, Jesus' comments were impossible for humans to say. Since sin is disobedience to God's word and ultimately always against God, only God had the authority to say what Jesus said. And God was not a person, at least in the mind of the Jews. God was perfect and powerful and eternal, 
but he was in the clouds and, you know, he was in the temple too. That was his house. But for a person to say what Jesus said would mean that they were wrongly assuming God's position. They were either a pagan who didn't know God. Uh, they were so arrogant that they believed that they could assume God's position or they didn't know what they were saying because they were insane. The crowd's thoughts were summed up by the teachers of the law, who in verse 7 said, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus responded, uh, essentially, Good, now I have your attention. I wanted to make sure that you heard what I'm about to tell you. Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? Of course, the answer is, your sins are forgiven, right? Because there's no way to prove whether or not it actually happened. We, we can see individual acts of disobedience to God and their consequences, what we've called the little less sins. Big S sin, though, is harder to spot. Any of us could walk around telling people their sins are forgiven. It's, it's easy because they're just words, especially in a culture where God's word has been downplayed and forgotten. What's hard to do is to say to a paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and walk. Because if you claim to have the power to do that, then it has to be backed up immediately. And if you don't have the power, you're just cruel. Even those who don't follow God understand how heartless it would be to say that to a person like the man in this story. Jesus said, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Let's think about that for a moment. What comes to your mind when you hear the word authority? There are all sorts of people who hold authority in our lives. People in our homes, our workplaces, our local community in our country. And I'm sure even as I list those examples, many names and faces come to your mind. My, my bet is that each of us would agree that authority goes hand in hand with power. Now, they're not the same, but rather where power is the ability to direct something or someone else, authority is the right to do it. Our, our law enforcement, I think, is probably the easiest example for us to understand a police officer's power comes from their understanding of the law and their ability to enforce it with their baton and their gun. However, their authority to use that power comes from our government. The government has given them the right to use their power to enforce the law and keep the peace. If you or I were crossing the street in the middle of the block with our friends, it would be super weird to pull out a notepad and write them a ticket for jaywalking. And I would argue it'd be impossible or at least pointless uh, to try to enforce a penalty on them. We might have the, the power to cite them for jaywalking, but we don't have the authority. I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. It's as if Jesus was saying, see, if I had done the hard thing first, you would have been amazed, but you wouldn't have been listening. By doing the easy thing first, now I have your attention. And when this man is healed, let it be your proof that I have power and authority over sin in all its dimensions. I don't want to just heal your bodies. I want to heal your souls. 
I'm here to make things right between you and God. And in the end, that is more important. What might the Lord be saying to each of us? Uh, my, my kids' Jesus Storybook Bible says in a couple of places that Jesus came to make all of the bad things come undone. I really like that. Uh, that just sounds right to me. It was not good for a man to be paralyzed, and Jesus made that come undone. But the effects of sin included a more troubling condition than paralysis. Because in the end, this man could have died healthy and still died disconnected from God. God cares about our physical lives. He, he cares about our health and circumstances. But I think he wants us to acknowledge that there's more to life than our physical health and circumstances. There is an e eternal reality that seems invisible to us but is as real as anything we can see or touch. That reality is that we must be perfect. That is, we must have our sins forgiven to be with God forever. Otherwise, we have a future that's ahead of us that is far worse than being paralyzed. The good news for us today is that Jesus is Lord over sin in all of its dimensions. He came to make all of the bad things come undone in this life and in the next. He, he smiled as he saw the faith of the men in today's passage. They got it because faith is all that's required for God's power to be unleashed, to, to simply believe that his authority covers all that is seen and all that's unseen. Let's pray for that kind of faith today, and, and let's pray to do something with that kind of faith. Maybe for you, it's believing that there uh, really is more to our existence than our physical lives. Maybe it's coming to terms with Jesus' claim that he has power and the authority to forgive sins and make us right with God. And, and in fact, that it is him and him alone who has that authority to do it. Have you yet gone to him with a humble and repentant heart asking to be forgiven? And like the men in the story, do you believe that he both can and he will? Lastly, maybe you're a person who's experienced this forgiveness and the freedom in the depths of your soul that comes along with it. But you have family or, or friends who haven't yet made that decision and shared that same experience. What would it look like to punch a hole in the roof over Jesus to get them in front of him and experience his power and authority in their lives. I encourage you to identify which of those questions is most fitting for you today and be specific about how God is leading you to respond to him. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for uh, the power in this passage and for revealing to us the good news uh, of your power and authority being given to Jesus um, so that he could bring it to earth and make it real in our lives. I pray that each of us would take seriously uh, this claim of his, that he has this power and authority, um, and that we would consider um, where we need to allow you uh, to have power and authority in our own lives. We thank you for your constant grace uh, to us and for walking uh, through 
her faith journey with us every step of the way. Uh, we just pray your blessing on the rest of our day. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.